Uh, 50,000 hectoliters. 50,000 hectoliters. And a hectoliter is how many liters? Google is going to tell me. It is 100 liters. There we go. So I didn't what, know a, what a hectoliter was. What a stupid measurement. Yeah. Also, yeah. 50,000 hundred liters. <laughs> Hello and welcome to episode 7 of Hoppy Night in Canada. I'm John, calling in from Toronto. And in Vancouver, I'm Dave. Alright, so how do we want to order this? Well, we can get started on the common beer, and then we've got... There's a couple of announcements that we'll we'll get into in a moment, and it'll probably come up fairly shortly. But yeah, do we want to get started with our our common beer? Let's do it! Alright, so the style that we're drinking this episode is... Saisons. So we've talked about Saisons a few times before uh, in previous episodes. The shared Saison that we have is actually from an American brewery. It's the Sriracha Ace uh, Saison from Brooklyn Brewery out of New York. Now, Saisons are, I would say, probably my favorite beer style. Yeah, I'd say in the last in the last year or two, they have become pretty much a clear favorite. Whenever I, I'm at a bar and if someone's just like, oh, what type of beer do you like to drink? I just tend to say Saison and hope for the best. I think if my, my obsession with Saisons first started um, several years ago with a beer that Lighthouse used to make. They had a beer they called Deckhand and it was, they called it an Imperial Saison. So it was about 8%, hmm. but it was really 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 good it was one of the best (laughs) beers i ever remember drinking they stopped making it four or five years ago and so in reality it may not even have been as good as i remember it but i think of it as just incredible (laughs) that's fair it's funny how times change because i was gonna say an eight percent these days like a lot of a lot of saisons that i see tend to be on the higher end of the of of alcohol i think the one i mean the sriracha ace just looking at it now is a 7.6 and they that is they do not measure that as an imperial no no. But, but yeah, I think so. So Lighthouse is from Vancouver Island, right? It's from Victoria, yeah. Okay, yeah. Because I was going to say, my, I think the first Saison that I had also came from the island, uh, but it was Driftwood's Farmhand. Which is outstanding. Yes. That is a great beer. It is, it is top notch. And so that, I think that was my introduction to the style. And then I think Parallel 49 used to, I don't know if they do anymore, but they used to put out Hay Fever as a seasonal. They no longer do. Oh, tragedy. Because that was another really nice one um, that yep. they used to put out. And I feel like those two were my sort of introduction to the style. And then, yeah, since, especially since coming to Ontario, I've, I've tried to make it a point to seek out any of the local Saisons that, that are out here on this side of the country. So the history of Saison as a beer style. It is a traditional Belgian style pale ale. But of course, calling it a pale ale kind of sells it short. It's brewed with an ale yeast and it is brewed at a warmer temperature so of course if you had to, if you were distinguishing between ale and lager it's definitely an ale but to me a saison by itself is almost or is almost a style unto itself saisons were traditional traditionally farmhouse style beers in belgium and part of france and they were traditionally brewed in the spring the spring into the summer and a little bit in the fall they were Usually lower alcohol content, three to three and a half percent, and they were given to farm workers after sort of after a hard day's work as a refreshing drink. And they are definitely refreshing. I mean, they're so like you say when they when they were brewed. If I remember correctly, they were usually brewed and then aged for a period of time. 
and they are bottle conditioned, so they're usually a, a higher, a more carbonated beer. And so they have that sort of lightness and effervescence. Um, it's, I don't know, yeah, it, it, it ends up being a really refreshing drink, especially in, in hotter weather. Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely. And the, I know, I mean, these days, a quintessential Saison is still uh, Saison DuPont, which I believe is Belgian. I'm going to go Belgian. <laughs> and if I'm wrong, Correct. fair enough. Uh, Correct. Cool. Um, yeah, so that's, Saison DuPont is still the sort of, it, it, it is very much still a benchmark of the style, as far as I understand. Saison DuPont is absolutely the benchmark. In 2005, Saison DuPont was named by Men's Journal as the best beer in the world. <laughs> now, that's 11 years ago, so yep. probably there's been a lot of good beer brewed since then, but Saison DuPont remains just an outstanding beer that is, like like you said, is a great thing to measure other Saisons against. Yeah. For me personally, there are Saisons I like more than Saison DuPont, but, there, but Saison DuPont r- remains as a, a benchmark example of what the style should be like yeah and that is it's one of the nice it's funny i think the last couple of episodes we've we've actually been hitting on these sorts of styles where you know there are these quintessential examples of certain styles so when with half of Eisen's, there there are a couple of those german wheat beers that have been brewed for you know hundreds of years and they are the thing that you can measure other half of Eisen's against as far as an example of style and like you say it's not to say that they are necessarily the best or the one that best fits your taste but they're a good thing to to measure against Cool. So the Sriracha Ace, um, some background on it. Sriracha Ace is a a style of hop itself, I think. Yes. Yeah. It's a a hop strain and as far as I know, a fairly uncommon one. Yeah. It's a, I think it's Japanese actually. Mm -hmm. The description of Brooklyn Sriracha Ace on the Brooklyn Brewery website is Brooklyn Sriracha Ace is a classic saison, an unfiltered golden farmhouse ale with a wonderfully clean malt flavor, and our hero, the quirky Sriracha Ace hop, standing front and center. <laughs> Named after the Sriracha region of Hokkaido, Japan, the Sriracha Ace hop was developed by a large Japanese brewery in the late 1970s. A cross between British Brewer's Gold, Japanese Beike Number no. 2, and the famed Czech Saws, it had a unique lemony herbal scent but this hop was odd and ended up being quickly banished to a laboratory. In, in 2008, the Sriracha Ace hop was quietly revived by a family farm in Washington State. Less than a year later, we had, uh, we had made it the star of one of our favorite beers ever. Dry, sharp, and crackling in flavor, uh, Brooklyn Sriracha Ace is reminiscent of lemongrass, verbena, dill, and lemon peels. Pretty so good. That's a, yeah, that's a pretty good introduction to the beer. Yeah. I've got it in a tulip glass. It's quite, it's got a quite a stiff head. Mine was poured several minutes ago and still is retaining some amount of head. Yeah, same. It's, I guess it's a pretty medium gold in color and smells delicious. Yeah, very much has, a, it, I mean, you know, backfilling based on what you were just reading, but it does have those sort of uh, on on the nose it does have that sort of almost biscuity smell a little bit that sort of malty smell that i, I think is was similar to the the kolsch and, and is similar to some pilsners that we've had yeah all right let's give it a try all right oh that's so good 
that is really really nice yeah it is uh, so I've, I've had it once before it's been a couple of years at this point it is it's much maltier than i remember it being actually because i do like i was saying i i feel like in my head i associate saisons with very much a sort of dry effervescent i feel like i've said it before but it reminds me a lot of of champagne in a lot of ways yeah and this has kind of a, a deeper flavor and a much more maltier flavor than i remember it's very good um but that that surprised me it's dry but not super dry mm-hmm. yeah it's got it's got the the esters from the yeast producing some sort of fruity flavors it's definitely sweeter than some other saisons and it's warm you can really taste the, you can really like sort of not in a bad way, but you can tell it's seven point six percent. I was gonna say, yeah, it's definitely like it is. It is a, a little bit of a boozy beer. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there are there are some of those beers that like, in spite of being very strong, just you can't taste it or feel it as much. This one, you can definitely taste it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, what would you rate it? I'm gonna go nine and a quarter. I it I really like it. Yeah, I really like it as well. I'm gonna say a solid nine, strong nine. Yeah. It's good. It's got it's got everything you want out of a saison, and it actually, it's funny. We were talking. We t- I spoke earlier about the deckhand from Lighthouse. This is probably the saison that reminds me the most of that one. It's probably the higher alcohol content and and sort of the fruity esters, but this reminds me the most of that one. Nice. Cool. All right. I guess next in the list is: Do you, John, have a beer that you've had? In, since the last time we recorded that really stood out i should really think about these things beforehand um oh i did, okay so um for a reason that will become evident in a moment uh i have found a need recently uh to drink through a few of the beers that i was uh cellaring aging for a bit and one of them that i had actually forgotten that i had was monk's brew from uh, Mikeller brewing Okay. So Mikeller did a limited release of the LCBO. They did a sort of brewer feature and released, I think, four or five beers from Mikeller uh, back in 2014. Yeah. And yeah, I picked up uh, Monk's Brew. is a It's a Belgian quad style beer, uh, which I really like. It's definitely not the time of year for it. And it's, you know, those are types of beers that are really nice on, on dark, cold, stormy nights. But yeah, I, I had kept it since 2014. Broke it out the other day, and I had it. And yeah, it was actually really nice. The The aging, I feel like, had mellowed it a little bit. I had one when it first got released, and then in the, I think, about year and two-thirds, almost close to two years uh, that I've been aging it, it feels like it had, it had mellowed out as a flavor, and it had the so that sort of um, darker, kind of chocolatey, fruity notes uh, that, that Belgian quads can have. But the, the booziness had sort of mellowed out a bit, which is really nice. Nice. Yeah. Uh, what about you? This one's going to be a little bit off-brand for me, but uh, I had a beer, and I wouldn't say like it's it's not the best beer. It might not even be the best beer I've had since the last time we recorded, but it is definitely the one that stood out the most. Um, and this is this is sort of a case of me giving credit where credit is due. This beer is from Whistler Brewing Company. Now, normally Whistler Brewing Company is not my favorite normally it's not doesn't make the best beer um they have a niche they seem to be comfortable in it um but most of their beers aren't very good however i recently tried one of their limited release seasonals called peak to pier uh 
it came in a tall bottle. It was a collaboration with Tap and Barrel, which harkens back to an episode that we had a few a few episodes ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a Tap and Barrel collaboration. Um, so I guess it was a, it was an exclusive to that rest to the restaurant at some point. It's now available in bottles, and it is a cranberry peach wit beer. Okay, and you know what? It was really good. <laughs> It was, we weren't sure the, we were, I, I was given the bottle or we were given the bottle, um, and weren't sure quite what to make of it, but we, so we, we cracked it open and just mostly to give it a try. And you know what? It was really good to the point that I would actually probably purchase it again. And I would definitely order it on tap. That's not something I would say about most Whistler beers. <laughs> Yeah, it is. I, I feel like sometimes, I mean, some breweries just have this and, and sometimes the circumstance, I don't know the circumstances of, of Whistler Brewing necessarily, but I know, I mean, I had this with, with Granville Island for a while where, and that one is, is circumstance because, you know, once they were bought by Molson, a lot of their production facility, their standard like year round beers uh, were being produced elsewhere, but all of their limited releases were still being made with, um, blanking on the brewmaster's name Vern, i think uh like on granville island still in small batches and they put out a lot of actually quite good limited releases for the, for a couple of years at least like just before i left vancouver i remember having a few and actually really enjoying them yeah um you're correct it was the brewmaster's name was Vern lamborn Vern's not with granville island anymore he just opened up a new brewery in port moody oh interesting called parkside all right i've had a couple of beers from them they're great Nice, but and they're they're on Brewers Row in Port Moody. There's four breweries within sort of three blocks of each other. Twin Sales and Yellow Dog are right beside each other. Oh wow! About four doors down is Parkside, and like two blocks over is Moody Ales. That's not bad. They're, they're all they're right there. They're bang 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 right there. Getting that second brewery area in Greater Vancouver, I guess after East Van. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, so that's that's my standout beer is the uh, Whistler Peak to Pier. And yeah, I recommend if somebody gets a chance to try it, give it a shot. It's actually so much better than I was expecting and legitimately to the point of it being a pretty good beer. Cool. All right. So I guess in order to get into the topic for today, maybe now's the time for for an announcement. And that is, this is the last episode we'll be recording via Skype, I'm pretty sure, because uh, I'm moving back to the West Coast. Yay! Yay! So, uh, various circumstances uh, have led uh, my wife and I to decide to move back to Vancouver. Where exactly we're ending up is is still being figured out, but the short version is, in a couple weeks, uh, a moving truck is coming to pick up our stuff, and then we're driving across the country, and... We'll be back in Vancouver in a few weeks. Excellent. So yeah, so that uh, could potentially introduce some changes to uh, how we handle the the beers in the podcast. And that sort of leads us into the topic uh, for today, which is beers and getting them across provincial borders, essentially. <laughs> um, like provincial legislation and how it relates to federal legislation and and uh, the that's a very dry way of saying like why is it so hard to get beer from other provinces in the province in which you live yes i sometimes think this is 
in some ways a uniquely Canadian problem. You know, you look at you look at U.S. craft beer, and obviously there are scale and distribution issues, and um, it's it's hard sometimes to get you know beer from small breweries on one side of the country. You know, it's it's very hard to find them on the other side of the country. But the the history and legislation of like interprovincial trade with regards to liquor, um, it turns out is kind of weird and makes it very hard to easily get beers that are made in one province when you live in a different province. Yeah. Uh, and that's kind of what we wanted to talk about, because uh, I think we started looking into it in a roundabout way. I, I was curious, you know, the legality of me bringing a few beers uh, along for the ride and, and, you know, bringing them from Ontario to Vancouver. And it suddenly occurred to me that I actually don't know, because I know for a long time it wasn't actually legal to do so. Uh, and now it is, but um, that's kind of what we wanted to get into. Yeah. I mean, this has kind of been a, a brewing topic for the two of us pretty much constantly since we started recording the podcast yeah because it's been surprisingly difficult to find beers that we can both get yeah i mean case in point right now we're drinking a saison saisons are you know a a style they've been around for a long time and right now they're they're it seems like they're very popular there are a ton in ontario and yet there isn't a canadian saison as far as i can tell that you can get in both bc and ontario right now Right, and so that's been kind of flummoxing us, puzzling us. There, there are some examples of bigger breweries that are exporting from BC to Ontario. And so, if, if you've noticed, all of our common beers so far, aside from the one today, which has been from the States, and the sour beer, which was from Belgium, all of our common beers have been British Columbia beers. Uh, I think actually the first, so our first episode, we did a Mill Street beer. And but that that was literally it. Yeah, all the other common ones have been have been from BC. But it is yeah, it's it. I can't lie, it's an odd thing. Um, and and I have I like so when we decided to do this topic, I, I went and did a bit of research, um, just about you know the the current state of the laws and and there were a couple of news articles that we actually passed back and forth through email, which we'll get to in a minute, I assume. Um, that uh, you know things may be changing. Uh, things are in the process of of moving towards maybe it'll be a little bit easier in the in the not too distant future to get beer across provincial lines, but um, but yeah, it it seems like one of the things that Ontario deals with is it, it's surprisingly difficult to get beer out of Ontario. Is that like for any particular reason, or like is there protectionist legislation? <laughs> I mean, it seems like part of it is that there are kind of protectionist provincial legislation. I mean, this sort of stands like one of the newspaper articles was one. I read an article last week and then I pulled up another one today just on News Vancouver's News 1130 um, that the Alberta government is imposing a new tax on out-of-province beer. As of August, August 5th, the price per liter for any brewery um, outside of Alberta is $1.25 per liter. And that is that is a provincial tax. Previously to that, any brewery that produced less than 20 million liters, which is a huge amount, so we were looking at it before the episode, and Central City, which is one of BC's biggest beer producers, produces 5 million liters, so a quarter of, the, of what the threshold was. So previously... Any beer under or any brewery under twenty million liters paid ten cents per liter. 
the big breweries, so your Molsons, your Coor, your Molson Coors, your Labatt's, whatever, was already paying the dollar twenty-five per liter. But now the tax on the small breweries is being raised from ten cents per liter to a dollar twenty-five per liter. Which like that's that's a huge jump, right? Like yeah. it's just yeah. it's unfathomable yeah. in some ways. And I know, I mean, obviously, like Alberta is, you know, um, there's a lot going on in Alberta in in terms of its economy that would potentially lead it to make uh, changes like this that that would at least allow them to to recoup some revenue in terms of an increased tax. But you have to imagine that that disincentivizes brewers from outside of Alberta from bothering to view it as a potential market, one would imagine. Uh, I I would think so. Um, And I know there are lots of BC breweries that do ship beer to Alberta. I know Parallel 49 is available in Alberta. I know Four Winds just became available in Alberta about four months ago. Um, Phillips has been there for a long time. Like there is BC beer available in Alberta. Mm-hmm. And I think that come August 5th, there's probably going to be a lot less. Yeah. And and it's interesting because you were saying, I mean, in some cases you get, uh, maybe in a similar way, I don't know the reasons why Muskoka Brewing stopped selling in BC and Alberta. Like they tried to make an expansion to Western Canada and they rolled back after, you know, four or five months as far as, if I remember correctly, you were saying that they were there for a few months and then they just kind of disappeared. Yep. I think that's going to change because it was announced a few weeks ago that Muskoka Brewing purchased Vancouver Island Brewing. And so, and they put in a new, they put in one of one of Central City's former VPs as the CEO of Vancouver Island Brewing now. And I'm, I'm interested to see how it goes because uh, I guess year over year, in the last year, uh, Vancouver Island's sales has gone, have dropped about 12%, Oof. which is significant. I mean, I guess, I mean, you know, BC has so many breweries that are opening up. I guess people don't necessarily feel the need to reach for a Vancouver Island anymore. I don't know. No, true, true, true. But uh, yeah, I'm curious to see what happens because they've now got another. They were purchased not by one of the big companies. And I'm curious to see if this means that either Muskoka beer is going to start being brewed at the Vancouver Island facility or whether it'll just mean they distribute here again because they've got an in or something like that i don't know yeah they've actually like having a foothold in the in the legislation or not the legislation in the having a foothold with the sort of legal side of of getting in with the the liquor control board of the relevant province seems to be a huge help of actually being able to like sell and distribute properly yeah and i think that's so you had a question earlier and, and and i have i have speculation as to why why ontario beer is hard to get uh outside of Ontario, or, or at least out into the western provinces. In in general, it seems like the the big difficulty of crossing provincial lines overall, and I think this is especially highlighted for us as we've tried to find common beers, is that because each province has its own liquor distribution board, if you're a brewery in, let's say, Ontario, and you want to sell in BC, then you need to deal directly with the laws, the rules, the regulations in BC's liquor registration board, or the liquor distribution board, excuse me. Um, And that's going to be completely different than if you're trying to sell in any other province. So for to get nationwide distribution requires just intensely close knowledge of each province's rules, regulations, and laws. Um, And I think for a lot of breweries, like they don't actually have the the capacity, the time, the, the, the investment, I guess, in the ins and outs of 
provincial liquor distribution laws for all of the provinces, right? Yeah, it's it's kind of weird. Um, yeah, it it seems it seems as though because it's like I I think you're right that it is just you know dealing with your own province's liquor distribution board is almost enough. Yeah, that to then say and especially. Like, Ontario is easily the most populous province in Canada. Um, I, like, it doesn't, it's, it seems like maybe for a lot of the craft breweries in Ontario, it's not really worth it going, worth it for, worth the effort for them to go outside of Ontario. Yeah, I was going to say, and that, so my, my speculation on Ontario, and this does get into pure speculation at this point, but my speculation is this, the LCBO seems to be very difficult to deal with in ontario in general the the sort of regulatory framework for selling we're talking about beer it it may be all types of liquor i assume so um is such a convoluted system already that it's it's difficult enough to gain a foothold in ontario period and not be a regional beer to start off with so like you, you have three options for selling roughly in in ontario if you're a brewery you sell through the lcbo you sell through the beer store, or you sell at your brewery. Other provinces have um, private or off-sale uh, liquor stores. Ontario doesn't. So the LCBO, obviously, is government-owned and run. The beer store is owned by multiple breweries, but the vast majority of it is owned by Molson Labatt, uh, Sapporo, I think owns a minority stake and they recently made some changes to open it up to smaller breweries to have a small ownership stake in it. But um, the listings for each of those are are difficult. So I believe it's the LCBO that says if you list a product with the LCBO, you need to have the capacity to be able to sell at any LCBO in the entire province. So if, if you list your product with the LCBO and they say, cool, we need you to send, you know, X amount up to Thunder Bay and you're based in Toronto, well, you need to be able to produce that much product. Meanwhile, the beer store, you can target the region, but it costs per store that you are listed in. So oh. you pay a fee to be in each individual store that it, in which you want to be sold. Wow. So apparently neither is a great uh, option. You know, but and, it just and sounds you, like an anti-competition. Yeah, I mean, it, what it produces, it seems like, is a very regional... Uh, distribution of of breweries so like you know we're in toronto and so we have access to a bunch of local toronto craft breweries and there are a lot of breweries i know out in ottawa like ottawa's also been having sort of a brewery explosion there's kind of three or four new ones that have opened up in the last year or so but it's it's hard to find any of their beer i think one of them finally got the sort of the, the distribution for one of their uh beers at the lcbo and that's a big deal so the fact that we can actually get, you know, beer that is, it's made five hours away and, and, and we can finally get it at uh, LCBO locations in Toronto feels like a big deal. So the fact that it's that difficult to get even regional distribution within a province like Ontario, I would imagine means that for most breweries, like you said earlier, it's like, it's it's already so much effort to, to deal with the current regulatory framework of the place where you're based that expanding outward is difficult yeah. to fathom. Yeah. Um, and that actually ties into, so uh, one of the other articles that you had sent me was about uh, Bose, which we've talked about on a couple of previous podcasts. And uh, they're 
I guess, looking now to start distributing nationally. In that article, Buried was a note about how, so they're based in Ottawa. Ottawa is literally across a river from Quebec. And they were trying for years to get sold in Quebec. And it took them something like three years, eight attempts, and hundreds of thousands of dollars of legal fees in order to finally be sold in Quebec. Your numbers are wrong. Eight years, three attempts. Oh, that was it. All right. Either way, that's a really long time. And that's a whole lot of effort. To, 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 to be able to ship beer somewhere that you can basically spit on. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. I mean, a, a lot of it seems to be tied into that. This, this sort of uh, each province having its own setup in terms of control, distribution, and sale. Uh, and a lot of this seems to be ultimately holdovers from like Prohibition era policies. Um, but because each province has, has different setups for like how beer is imported, how it's distributed within a province, how it's sold where it can be sold, all that sort of thing, that, like, it just seems like unless you have a lot of capacity and a lot of patience and money, it seems like, getting listed in other provinces... A really good lawyer on staff. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, it it seems like unless you've got all of those things or at least a good number of those things on hand, um, getting out to other provinces is pretty difficult. Yeah. Well, and the other article that you sent me, so there was a a new interprovincial trade deal struck between, is it just all of the provinces? Yeah, so this, okay, yeah. Th- this gets into the federal level of stuff. So the Minister of Trade is in the process of negotiating with provinces, I guess, for a new interprovincial trade deal about, you know, um, tariffs and taxes on, on products that are, uh, transported between provinces and there was there was an initial article that cited ontario's minister of trade saying that oh like it's a really exciting deal it's really good for all the provinces and also it's going to make beer and wine easier to sell between provinces and then there was like an immediate follow-up article which basically said oh no like it won't include that because of this pending legislation about personal use imports into different provinces right right um, right so uh, in 1928, there was um, a law passed, the, the Importation of Intoxicating Liquors Act, which <laughs> basically said uh, that no person can import, take, or transport liquor between provinces, across provincial lines. Okay. So that's in 1928. Uh, in 2012, that is amended to allow for the personal import of a certain amount of wine, Um, but only for personal use, not for resale. And in 2014 or 15, I can't remember, it's uh, expanded to include uh, beer and liquor. Right. In the meantime, in 2012, apparently, um, in New Brunswick, there was a case brought against someone who imported for personal use something like 15 cases of beer. And that's been following through the courts. And in the provincial... On a provincial-level court, the ruling from the judge was that that act the 1928 act is in contravention to the 1867 constitution act which says that free trade between provinces is allowed Ah. so there's so they're citing legal precedent from literally the beginning of this country (laughs) um so so that i guess because there's pending legislation on that the the new trade deal that is currently being negotiated uh, will not include alcohol because there's this because it's moving through the court system, right? 
Well, so. they're, they're not trying to make it easy for people like you and I, as it turns <laughs> out. Because yeah. I, I imagine, and I mean, I don't know this for sure, but I imagine that were it easier, a lot more breweries would be looking to spread their sort of distribution, especially British Columbia breweries. Yeah, I mean, there's like there's so there's so much going on in BC right now with regards to to beer and new breweries that you would imagine that a lot of them are are already looking beyond BC in terms of available markets, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. I would think. I mean, I know that some like there's a there's an agreement between a few different breweries with a an importer. And off the top of my head, I know at least three of them are. Uh, Driftwood, Parallel Forty Nine, and How Sound, that they're take they're sold in the states, and when it's easier for a Canadian brewery to get into the states than it is to get to another province, that seems kind of yeah. That, I mean that's, that's yeah. yeah, but yeah. Uh, so short version, um, for various reasons, uh, you know, Ontario beer at the moment is hard to come by in BC. And I believe in a number of other provinces is also hard to come by. Quebec, I think, probably has a slightly better availability as far as I understand. But mostly because of the the proximity, I guess, would lead to people maybe more familiar with Quebec's legal framework uh, being geographically closer to Ontario. Well, and Quebec seems to do a pretty good job of distributing their beers, too. Mm -hmm. Or Quebec breweries. Because, I mean, we've talked about it before, but Unibrew beers have always been available in BC. Yeah. Always. And at the better liquor stores in BC, it's easy to get, like the, the True to Diablo beers and the Trois Mousquetaires beers and um, a bunch of the, uh, like, some of the other, like, bigger Quebec breweries are not that hard to find in BC. Yeah, which is, it's such a funny thing because, you know, we see occasional DDC or uh, true to Diable or things like that, you know, occasionally one or two come through the LCBO and sometimes, yeah, there's, there's other licensed importers, I guess, that work with the LCBO to bring them in for sale to restaurants and things like that. So they don't sell through the LCBO, but you can get Trois Musquetaires at a couple of different restaurants, uh, in Toronto. But yeah, it's, it seems like, it, I feel like last time I was in Vancouver, uh, it seemed easier or there was a greater selection of Quebec beers in BC than there were in Ontario. <laughs> Huh. So, strange things. All right, yeah. that seems like a good place to wrap that up. Yeah. Okay, let's uh, let's pour our other beers. So, for my BC saison, I've got from Main Street Brewing, which is in in Vancouver, the in the brewery district of Vancouver. Turns out just across the road from John's old house. It um, is indeed. <laughs> And actually, when while John was living there, they were building the brewery, and just as he moved away, they opened up about I don't know, a month later. I've never been more upset. We moved, <laughs> and then within, I think, a three-month span, uh, Main Street opened and Brass Neck opened. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I've got from Main Street Brewing, Saison number 7. And it is, it's about the same color as the Sriracha Ace. A nice golden, golden hue. It's got that nice bready bready note or bready sort of smell it's really nice it's much drier than the uh much drier than the sriracha ace 
And I think it's probably because it's less boozy. This one's only 6%, which is still high, but it's not the 7.6. Um, it's still got some nice fruity esters. It's not quite as, it's definitely not as sweet and definitely finishes a lot drier than the Sriracha Ace, but it is a very good, crisp, refreshing Saison. Good, good to style for sure. Very on style. Nice. Mm-hmm. I would say eight and a half. Yeah, Pretty good. Eight and a half. Nice. All right, what have, what have you got? So I've got from uh, Folly Brewing, which is a brew pub down in, uh, in the west end of downtown Toronto. I've got the Flemish Cap Old World Saison. Folly makes quite a few different saisons and, and farmhouse ales uh, of all different kinds. And the, the first two I think that they put out in bottles were uh, this one, which is uh, sort of, I guess, harkens to the sort of traditional style saison. And they also make one called Praxis, which they call a New World saison, which I think is more an American take on a saison style, a North American take on a saison style. Cool. Uh, so yeah, uh, on a pour, there's, uh, compared to the Sriracha Ace, there's very little head retention. Similar in color, I think it's a little bit more pale and slightly cloudier. On the nose, at least, definitely similar to, much more similar to something like a Saison DuPont than uh, than the Sriracha Ace was. Um, smells really nice. That's really good. Um, it's much like yours, like very dry, quite sweet. Uh, and also this, I mean, this is only a four and a half percent. So okay. much less boozy, but yeah, has that kind of very bright taste, I guess. I'm trying to think how to describe it. Um, but yeah, very light, uh, quite tasty, a little bit sweet, but not overly so. Yeah, that's that. I'm now rethinking my Sriracha Ace rating <laughs> in the face of this beer. Um, I, I would actually easily go nine and a half on this. Like I think this this it's it's a really really nice uh, example of a saison. Good, good, yeah. pretty good. Okay, so I guess that just about wraps up this episode. A couple of couple of plugs. Follow us on Twitter at Hoppy Night CA. Uh, check out the one. website. Yeah, website is HoppyNight.ca. We are on iTunes, Google Music, Stitcher. If there's a podcast service that you use that we're not on. Send us a, a message on Twitter or an email, hoppynightincanada at gmail.com. Uh, let us know. We'll try and figure out how to get listed there. If you get a chance, please leave us a rating and a review. Um, it definitely helps other people discover the podcast by extending the by extending its reach. Um, yeah. Bumps so yeah, us up please, a bit in the ratings on iTunes. So. Yep. Please rate and review. Um, tell your friends. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's about all the services we're on at the moment. <laughs> All right. Well, this has been episode seven of Poppy Night in Canada. We will talk to you guys again soon. Yeah. And uh, next time uh, we record this, we will uh, almost certainly be in the same room. Huzzah. We'll see how that goes. Cool. All right. Until next time. Talk to you later, John. Cheers.